0: You have read that the Muhadib had no playmates his own age on Caladan. The dangers were too great, but Muhadib did have wonderful companion teachers. There was Gurney Halleck, the troubadour warrior. You will sing some of Gurney's songs as you read along in this book. There were Thufir Halleck, the old Mentat master of assassins, who struck fear even to the heart of the Padasha Emperor. There were Duncan Idaho, the swordman of Ganaz and Dr. Wellington Yui, a name black in treachery, but bright in knowledge. The Lady Jessica, who guided her son in the Bene Gesserit way, and of course, the Duke Leto, whose qualities as a father have long been overlooked. From A Child's History of the M'Hadib, by the Princess Irulan. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls.
1: And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. There it is. (sighs) How's it going, Evan? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good to to see you this week. Good to see you this week. (sighs)
0: So... Let's just uh, jump on into it. What we got going on here? What did you uh, yeah. think of the chapter?
1: Okay, you know I really love uh, quotes that you can take out of books and apply to life. And this chapter was full of them. I don't know if you noticed that while you're reading through. Uh, like half but the half in the his book conversation, here is right? <laughs> in the in his conversation with. Um, Suffer, suffer, th- th- suffer, suffer, How it? Um. Just like full of good juice, you know, like just like good knowledge stuff happening in their conversation. And I, I underlined. I found myself like, oh, here's another one. Oh, there's another one again. You know, like this is good. It was a good uh, chapter for random bits of wisdom. I think.
0: I feel like Frank Herbert just likes to do that. Sometimes he goes, hmm, I just want to put a bunch of wisdom into a chapter. Oh, and I should write a book while I'm doing it. <laughs> he just decides to just lay it all out there. It's kind of the reason I fell in love with Dune in the universe is because it is so packed with some of these like one-liners. Right. You're like, what was that? Right. All right, so let's let's set up our setting really okay. fast. We're still on Caladan. We're still on Caladan. This is technically one week after Paul's ordeal, where he met the Reverend Mother, mm-hmm. and it's I think it's still his last day on Caladan. It's one of those. Gurney right. talks he's, about the end.
1: Yeah, he's leaving. He's leaving tomorrow.
0: So it's his last kind of reflections. on being there. And um, Thufir is checking up on him one more time before Thufir leaves. And the Mentat assassin, Thufir Howitt, has been Paul's mentor, teacher, trainer, training him in the Mentat ways because the Duke has an idea that Paul might have an inkling in his brain to be able to handle these kind of computations computations now, that, that a mentor might need to do. So Paul gotcha. kind of has that. And so um, the Duke Guido has Thufur training Paul, just as Thufur trained the Duke.
1: Gotcha. And the Duke before him, right?
0: Yes. So we'll get into this, but um, Thufur is, he will have served three generations of the Atreides family Right. So he was a mentat on the planet X where they get trained. And then at the age of 35, he was employed into the, um, Duke Leto's father. Right. And now we're just, we're just, we're just jumping the weeds here. Cause we're already there. Right. Uh, <laughs> Might as well. Might as well. So the Duke Leto's father, um, men, mentor, it's it's something like that. Um, he was a lower duke in in the realms. He had Caladan, but he in the in the houses of the Chom, he wasn't that high. And right. so when he got Thufir at thirty five, he was like, "All right, how do we?" build? How do we expand? And so Thufra put out a giant plan to get the maximum amount of produce out of the planet. So it means dams and irrigation, it means different types of livestock, how to, how to cultivate certain things, just grow the planet. And the planet kind of just bloomed in a way that became the... It just rose in power because now they had all these things to export, all, more, all this more money, and right. they kind of just grew. Um and that was all Thufer's
1: doing? Yeah, like his, all his, his plan. That's cool. That's
0: so was like, cool. all right, let's, he's let's put all the all the pieces together, what do we have? How do we make this thing prosper? And so when um mentor Atreides dies, um, Duke Lido becomes then Duke, or Lido Atreides becomes the Duke, mm-hmm. and then he the Atreides family has kind of risen up the hierarchy. So now, instead of economics, the uh, Lido focuses more on espionage and how to military tactics. And so Thufa runs that whole division. Okay. Which brings us now to them being told they need to move to Arrakis. And so Thufa is now in charge of moving an entire house to another planet so that's right. kind of where we're at and who Thufur is. Thufur's kind of made House of from nothing to something. He's kind of a big deal. Everyone, everyone in the Imperium knows who he is. Cool. So the chapter starts as Paul is being a little brat as normal, sitting with his uh his back to the door. Um and you kind of get Thufur's no, nah, I guess in his head he kind of sees like, because Paul's being a little brat and says, "Oh, I can hear you coming." As Stufer is like, "Hey, don't put your back against the door." Right. And then Stufer thinks like, "Oh, that witch mother's giving him this deep training." Like he he has a deep kind of hatred for the Benejzer. Just doesn't trust them. Oh, okay. Which is gonna play up later. Gotcha. Just, right, which is why he's like, "What? What's happening? Why was the Reverend Mother here?"
1: Also, um, I don't know if this is worth mentioning or not, but when he, uh, <clears throat> Paul's like being snippy and he's like, I know I'm sitting with my back against the door. Um, it said, uh, Paul looked up at the grizzled old man who stopped at the corner of the table, how its eyes were two pools of alertness in a dark and deeply seamed face. I don't know why, but I pictured like a weathered Idris Elba. Ooh, is that, I like that. Well, is that does that work? Like that's oh, what was happening sure. in my brain. So I can I definitely know. see that. Yeah. Cool. Okay.
0: Cool. It's, yeah. Dark weathered. He's been there. He's been through the trenches. Right. All right. So we're gonna go through. Thufir's kind of there to test Paul. Has yeah. he been tra- Has he been doing his homework? He's about to go to the most treacherous planet in the Imperium. Can he survive? Right. So we're gonna go through the things that he's studying because it's kind of cool.
1: Yeah. So the it's, first it's thing pretty, he's studying
0: is the storms on Arrakis. The storms, I see, said Thufer, They sound pretty bad. <laughs> That's too cautious a word, bad. These storms build up across six or 7,000 kilometers of flatlands, feed on anything that gives them push, the Corollas force. Other storms, anything that has an ounce of energy in it, They can blow up to 700 kilometers per hour, loaded with everything loose that's in their way. Sand, dust, everything. They can eat off bones and etch the bones to slivers. All right. So 700 kilometers per hour.
1: 400 miles per hour. 434.96 miles per hour. Google. Google. Google for the win. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Google. I, I wish. wish we'd make so much more money. Correction, we'd make money. <laughs> we
0: money. <laughs> Correction. Yes. All right. So these storms are are unique to Iraq as they are like the the one weather thing they have. Right. Is these giant storms that rip flesh from bone and bone into slivers i think i was looking it up huh. i was early this week it's approximately so you know the storm on jupiter yeah like the the, <laughs> the eye the, the eye yes if you go to the most inward point that's how fast it's spinning oh so these these storms are intense. No joke. Yeah. Yes. There's That's also crazy. storms on like, I think it was Neptune. They're also around the same speed, just craziness. Right. But the storms offer a weird thing because Paul then asks, well, don't they have weather control? Right. Which I'm like, wait, what? Weather control. But as I was reading on later in the book, they described this as, the technology has gotten so advanced that they can literally control the weather on planets with satellites. Right. So if you want it to be raining, you can be raining. You want it to be wherever you want. It can It can. It can happen. Right. But Thufur says, Arrakis has special problems. Costs are higher. There'd be maintenance and the like. The guild wants a dreadfully high price for satellite control and your father's house isn't one of the big rich ones, lad. You know that. So... To, I mean, I'm sure if the emperor wants weather control, he could buy it. Right. But the guild has put such a high price on it that they that they just don't control the weather on the planet. Hmm. And it's kind of a, an interesting take here because it means someone's kind of paying them off.
1: Right. It, because Arrakis makes a, a ton of money, right? Wasn't that... Right. Spice is the one
0: thing it produces, which everything in the Imperium is run on spice. Right. So somebody is paying them off to control the weather or not control the weather. <clears throat> All right. So then Paul jumps, jumps to the next topic. Have you ever seen Fremen? And so how it says, like not, I have seen them. He said, there's Little to tell them from the folk of the grubbin' and sink. They wear the great flowing robes, and they stink to heaven in any closed spaces. Rude! It, it's from the suits they wear. They call them still suits that reclaim the body's own water. All right. So there's so there's a couple reasons why Thufur had probably thing he thinks he's seen a fremen. So the Fremen live on Arrakis, and the spice is literally in everything. It's in the food. It's in it's in the atmosphere. And once you've been exposed to it from a for a long enough time, your eyes turn to blue within blue, like was in like was in Paul's dreams. Right, right. So if you've seen one of those, you've probably seen a Fremen. Um, I got a fun thing here. We're gonna talk. I w- I looked this up because I was like, uh, he says there's little to tell from the folk of the Grabbin and Sink. I kind of know where that is. So we're going to pull up a map here. We know we, we love maps. Love me a good map. All right. All right. Can you see that? Yeah. All right. So here we have a map of Arrakis. It's a rather small planet. This is just the North Pole because okay. there are no satellites in the south. Because the guild just refuses to actually show what's down there. Okay. So that's fun. So you see my mouse here. Yeah. For those of you listening on the podcast, I'm I. I really apologize. If you go to YouTube, you can watch this. At uh, reading <laughs> Dune, just a mindless plug there.
1: Yeah. Um. So there we should we should uh just do more things that you know involved they can't looking it, yeah they can't see it's like oh gail that shirt is crazy
0: <laughs> thanks man
1: sweet glasses, man
0: so this is the north pole and everything in the dune color it would be like a sand and then the darker brown is mountains and then okay. the in between color is like a, a basin if there was water on a planet that's where water would be
1: okay but there's no
0: water but there's no water gotcha so Arakeen right here, that's the city where they're going to go to.
1: Right. Is that like the capital? Is that like the main
0: there, there, spot there, to be at? There are two main cities. So the Harconians would be in Carthage. Okay. And then the emperor's people were in Arakeen. And so they're both got the boot. So the Atreides could come. Okay. So the grabbing and sink, I had to look this up because um. I'm, not an idiot. I just don't know a lot of things, but I'm learning. <laughs> um, Frank Herbert was such a uh, ecologist. He had all these things, so I'm going to look it up here. Yeah, the graben. This That says G. Wow. I know. I'm sorry. Now we're so looking at a bunch of words. Um, oh man, command F, dude. There we go. Graben. A long geological ditch formed when the ground sinks because of the movement in underlying crustal layers. Right? So if the Earth's moving where the ground kind of sinks and then a sink, give me an S.
1: Q-R-S. Okay. Were you just singing the alphabet there? Uh, Do you not sing it every time you have to? Is that just me? Am I the only person that? No, I definitely do that too. Okay, cool. (laughs) All right, A sink is a habitable lowland area on Arrakis surrounded by much higher ground
0: that protects it from the prevailing storms. So let's go back to this map. So every the everywhere that's this light brown and these basins are protected yeah. from storms, oh, except for this depression area down here because there's no wall around it. so this is why the storms are important. so the storms would kind of roll through, but these main cities are protected because they're hidden <laughs> in the walls,
1: yeah, they're like in the basins,
0: so these basins would hold city folk that would be fremen. Gotcha. These are the ones that work in the cities, but there is no real, uh, the emperor doesn't have, doesn't have really have any idea how many Fremen are on the planet. There's never been a census done. Right. So there are people that work in the cities and there are other Fremen that we just don't know about. Okay. And because the water or because the planet has no water, you were drinking. And so I made me thirsty. Ooh. Speaking of all this. They have to wear these suits that any water in your body that leaves your body is then recycled in these suits so you can drink it again. So like sweat? Everything.
1: Oh, no. They're drinking pee-pee?
0: Well, I mean, it goes through the systems and it gets, the, you know.
1: Yeah, but you're still systems. drinking pee-pee. That's well, yuck.
0: That's why they stink to, quote-unquote, <laughs> heaven. <laughs> They stink to heaven in any closed spaces. Gross. Okay. Right. Paul swallowed suddenly aware of the moisture in his mouth, remembering the dream of thirst. So yeah, now we have, have that.
1: Yeah. He kind of ADDs about water for a minute here.
0: And then, yeah, then he literally spaces out at this point and remembers (laughs) something that the Reverend mother had told him. A week prior he like right. just zones out, and we learned that the the reverend mother had kind of talked to him about arrakis, saying that you'll learn about the funeral plains, about the wilderness that is empty, the wasteland where nothing lives except the spice and the sandworm, right. Yeah, uh, you'll stain your eye pits to reduce the sun glare. Shelter will mean a hollow out of the wind hidden from view and you'll ride upon your own two feet without thopter or ground car or mount. And then she kind of gives this poem here. When you live upon Arrakis, she said, Kala, the land is empty. The moons will be your friend and the sun your enemy. I don't think she's ever been to Arrakis. Oh, Really? This is, I think this is her, her ancient memory.
1: Ah, okay. What is, what is Kala? Do you know that? Or is it just...
0: No, I had to look that up one and then do an encyclopedia. It's, it's something about spirit, your spirit. It's talking to you. Your spirit is your Kala. So it's like, uh, what you would say when you live on Arrakis, your spirit like... like, Yeah, she's like
1: speaking straight to his spirit. At yes. that right she's like calling out okay that's cool that's cool yeah and
0: the reverend mother just goes off she goes off on him as it kind of like keeps going um right. she says some things that's kind of interesting that says that paul needs to learn how to rule yeah and that no one is in his family has done that before and so to rule you need four things the learning of the wise Whoa, wait, wait, wait,
1: that's, that's... Okay, is this the part? This is uh, one of the good juice things that I highlighted. Um, get, get that juice. Because she she says, a world is supported by four things. Her, her bit comes at the end of her little analogy with her four big knuckled fingers, as the book says. four ah, big knuckled ah, fingers. Ah. Right? Yeah. What are those four things again? So she said, "Um, grave this on your memory, lad. A world is supported by four things. She held up four big knuckled fingers. Um, The learning of the wise, the justice of the great, the prayers of the righteous, and the valor of the brave. But all these things are as nothing. She closed her fingers into a fist without a ruler who knows the art of ruling. Make that science. Make that the science of your tradition.
0: All right. So, I think this is a setup. Um, in movies, they have a setup and payoff. Yeah. So, like in any kind of a movie, they'll say something, and at the end of the movie, they'll do it. So, like your brain right. completes that loop. I'm gonna look for these four things now: the learning of the wise, and there'll probably be four different characters or four different regions or people who right? the justice of the great, the prayers of the righteous and the vower of the brave. I'm going to write that one down because we're going to follow with that up again. That's going to happen. Right. <laughs> After all that, the, uh, Paul comes back out of it and Thufur goes, were you uh wool gathering that time? <laughs> I don't know what wool gathering was. It's basically just gathering wool off a of sheep. You just kind of like just sit there, and just do that.
1: Right.
0: Just a random phrase for Frank Herbert to use. <laughs> Next time well, you're spaced out.
1: <laughs> daydreaming was way too, uh, too earthly.
0: To... <laughs> yes. We're in, we're in science fiction now. We're talking about sheep. <laughs> then, uh, he then threw for asks like, Hey, did you meet the Reverend mother? Like, what did she kind of say to you? Cause I think, Thufar distrusts Jessica and so he thinks that the reverend mother is going to like punish her somewhere, which he was kind of right, right. in that sense. Yeah. So yeah. But um, Paul then tells Thufar what she said. He says, uh, you, Paul Atreides, descendant of kings, son of a duke, must learn to rule. That's something none of your ancestors learned.
1: Okay. Descendant of kings? What's that about? We don't know? Am I I going to know later?
0: I I mean, it could be. It could be something in his, like, ancestral past.
1: Okay, okay. Um,
0: Cool. Like, deep in his DNA, there was a king somewhere, which is kind of dope if you would think about it. Like, if we actually knew who all of our ancestors were, one, I'd be mortified by the things they did, and two, (laughs) I'd, I'd, like, admire who they were as people. Right. It's a both-and
1: situation on that one. For sure, both-and. Um. cool <laughs>
0: yeah and then they continue talking about like I think the Reverend Mother is trying to get in Paul's head about like how Arrakis is different than other places mm-hmm. and when you rule it's not just a ruling of people but to rule you have to learn from your environment how do things grow how do things move like i don't know if we could fully understand this being on earth like we have one planet and we've barely figured it out right but to know how things move i guess we can go to different environments i guess or different friend groups like each friend group kind of works differently and you kind of have to learn those like i guess how things move. yeah
1: yeah but there's very rarely a situation where a human person on earth has to uh figure out the way that their newly conquered country Mm -hmm. operates to, you know, that, that kind of stuff stuff that she was talking about the world's language, you know? Right. Not really something uh, we have to ever worry about or anyone nowadays has to worry about. Um,
0: (laughs) and then he says, he says, Oh yeah. Dr. Yule calls that the mystery of life. Like, yeah, no problem. And then Thewfor chuckled. How'd that sit with her? I think she. I think she got mad. It's such such like a fifteen year old thing to say. I think I pissed her off with my smart aleckness. (laughs) But I knew the answer, right? (laughs) She said, "The mystery of life isn't a problem to solve; it's a reality to experience."
1: Whoa! Good juice alert. That is that got me good when I read that, dude. I was like, "Holy Christmas!" Uh, not a problem to solve, <clears throat> but a reality to experience.
0: Woo. Yeah, I think I so a lot of times we can just get so in our head, and then, I mean, these guys are literally supercomputers. You can't get more in your head than supercomputer, right?
1: That's like you're not gonna you're not gonna figure this out. Just like be in it and and experience like the craziness of this mystery.
0: And I think, and I could be totally off here, but I think the Bene are and the Mentats balance, balance each other almost with like a feminine and masculine and how they think about things. Right. Whereas the Bene Gesserit are very like embodied. Like they literally embody their own pasts and the Mentats are very forward thinking and very like computative and figuring right. things out. So, yeah. And, but there are also later on Mentats who are Bene G'ezer and there is a the Kisrak, Kisrak hatterack. So, I mean, come on, you can, you can be both. Right, right. <laughs> so Paul says, so I quoted the first law of Mentat at her. A process cannot be understood by stopping it. Understanding must move with the flow of the process, must join it and flow with it. That seemed to satisfy her.
1: Good juice alert number two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because the mentats have to always keep an open mind to whatever's right, coming right. next. So, Because the moment they get boxed in is where they lose. They when yeah. they think they have absolutes. And so it's understanding you must move with the flow of the process. You must join it and flow with it. And I think, especially if you're going to a situation that's so unknown, you can only do so much preparation, but you got to just dive in at one point in time.
1: Right and the the it was, it's the thing we talked about in one of the earlier episodes it's like there's so much corruption and so much like backstabbing happening all the time that at some point you can't you just can't figure out who's going to take what move next so you got to be able to like adjust to whatever's happening in the specific situation that you're in right
0: yeah go with yes exactly and says, so Paul says, Thufur, will Arrakis be as bad as she says? Nothing could be that bad, Thufur said, and forced a smile. Take those Fremen, for example. They're renegade people of the desert. By first approximation analysis, I can tell you there are many, many more of them than the Imperium suspects. People right. live there, lad, a great many people. They hate the Harkonnens with a bloody passion. You must not breathe a word of this, lad. I tell you only as your father's helper. So there's again, there's our hint. He's getting the hint from the Reverend Mother about, mm-hmm. or Je- the Reverend Mother gave Jessica the hint about the uh, missionary protectiva, right? Yeah. The fremen could be there to help, and now Thufer is also giving him like a. By the way, we may have an ally on this planet, right? Which is good because they're going to need allies. Paul says, "My father told me of Seleucus Secundus." Do you know Thufur, It sounded much like a perhaps not quite bad as much. So Thufur says he doesn't know a lot about Seleucus Secundus today, probably because he's. But I do because I have to do an encyclopedia on me, and I can tell you <laughs> what that is.
1: Fantastic.
0: So Seleucus Secundus is the prison planet to where the Emperor gets all of his soldiers from. It's supposed to be the hardest planet in the Imperium. And so that's where he trains all of his soldiers work one in three people survive. It's extremely cutthroat and the environment is very harsh. And so that's where the emperor trains his super soldiers and how he became emperor because he had the most formidable fighting force that were crazy because they'd grown up in the craziest place. Right. So we're given the analogy that, Arrakis may be on par with a prison planet of extreme harshness. Gotcha. So the people that live there are going to be fanatical because they have to be in order to survive, they have to be a cut above everybody else. Right. So we will, you know, figure all that out. That's coming. Who's excited? I just can't wait to get there. To be honest, put me on a ship. Let's go to Arrakis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Let's go to yes. <laughs> <laughs> tattoo. <tune in. laughs> All right. So Thufur then kind of says, hey, by the way, I'm leaving and kind of like rushes out. And that's the last time we see Thufur until we get to the planet. And Paul is then interrupted by another one of his teachers. The door across from the Paul banged open and an ugly lump of a man... <coughs> An ugly lump of a man lurched through it, preceded by a handful of weapons. Well, Gurney Howick, Paul called. Are you the new weapons master? <laughs> Howick <laughs> kicked the door shut with one of hill. You'd rather I come to play games. I know, he said. He, he glanced around the room, noting that Howitt's men had already been over, checking, making sure it was safe for the ducal air. The subtle code signs were all around. So now we meet Gurney.
1: Right. I had a hard time picturing who like what this guy looks like because what was it? Uh, blah, blah, blah. an ugly lump of a man lurched through like, like Danny DeVito. Is that what we're talking about here? Like <laughs> how lumpy is this man? You know, does he look like Quasimodo? Like what are we talking about? here? I mean, I
0: don't
1: Yeah. That's a good question. Um,
0: he's probably pretty big cause he's, he's a, he's a trained fighter. Okay, um, and he has a big ink vine scar across his dro- across his jawline. So he's like yeah. up here, um, and he has a do do do. What is his What is his uh, instrument called? Um, shoot, uh, what uh, was oh, it? That's a, a Yes.
1: Yeah, I read that uh that paragraph uh, and just like you know, you're like reading and just like getting through a paragraph. And then I, uh-huh. I, I finished that paragraph and I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like it didn't make any sense. Like the nine string ballast had, uh slung over uh Gurney's shoulder with a multi pack woven through the strings near the head of the fingerboard am I having a stroke like what were those words that (laughs) made no sense (laughs) and then later I realized that they were talking about an instrument like it it literally didn't compute and I'm a musician like by trade (laughs) that was super confusing what is a
0: fingerboard and why
1: are there strings right he said weapons what's woven through woven you know like I don't know it it didn't make any sense to me
0: Okay. So I want to get to this, right? So Paul asks, where's Duncan Idaho? Isn't he the one that's supposed to be teaching me weaponry? And then Halleck says, Duncan's gone on to lead the second wave onto Arrakis. Right. So there's already been one wave. Duncan is leading the second. Gurney will be on the third with Paul, I think. Right. But yeah, so Duncan's already gone. We will meet Duncan later. He's cool. Um, so let's talk about Gurney's backstory. He also hates the Harkonnens, which is a great sign if you're in Atreides.
1: Hey, I'm right there. As of right now, I'm right there with him.
0: <laughs> he's a musician. Right. Um, love... He sings lots of songs in this book, Are they're all by Gurney. Um, so he's your troubadour warrior. Gotcha. Um, So he is a part, so his backstory, I just read this in the encyclopedia. So it's super fresh. Um, like literally right before we started recording, (laughs) he was part of a a minor house that was working its way up and their main thing that they, um, exported was instruments. They were a musical house Okay. gifted in entertainment. And so they kind of, that, that was their, their gig. And they were attacked by the bump 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 bum, Arconans. Mm. Damn Arconans! Because that's how you gain more power in this universe is by eating other smaller houses, and they right. got eaten eaten up there. And so his whole family got taken. And this is the first time that we meet. Um, or he was the beast Raban, which it would be fades. Uh cousin, who's a little bit older, um is was given the um command, I guess, to be a part of this. And so he kind of tormented everybody as any good Harkonnen would do. Um <laughs> and he so he takes Gurney's sister to the pleasure houses and he takes um, Gurney to the slave pits where he is a slave fighter for 10 years.
1: Jeez.
0: And he's kind of, he's known as this person, right? Cause he just puts all this rage. He's lost everything into learning how to fight. Cause he's, again, he was a musician before this. So he then kind of rises up the ranks. He gets into some beef with the beast's Roban. He gets the giant scar, which we right. read about later in the chapter. And, He's freed eventually by an Atreides force who via Thufur's intelligence decides to do a raid onto the planet, on Giddy Prime, the planet, and frees this little bunch. And they free Gurney, and Gurney has the choice. You can either go free, or you can come with us. We're going to go continue. And of course, Gurney says, I'm going to go try to find my sister. And everyone in Atreides are like, yep, let's go. They never find her. And she's presumed dead. But the loyalty that he received from the Duke in that moment kind of like kind of bonded them. Like they're now family. And so he's now continued with the Atreides. So he has a deep hatred for the Harkonnens
1: right?
0: And very trusted at this. So he's... He's got the lover and the fighter, the musician and the warrior. Yeah. He was forced into it.
1: And he's funny. I don't know if he's like, if he, if it's like a masking all that pain with humor kind of Chandler Bing situation that he's got going on, but I don't know. I like him. Yeah. Even if it is a coping mechanism, I like it. (laughs) It's definitely a coping mechanism. And that's okay. We all have them. Amen
0: hopefully they make people laugh and that's okay.
1: Right. Could It could be the other way around. So as long as they don't make you cry. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so during this interaction between Paul and Gurney, it's kind of, you, you get that joking feel like these guys are like, they're actually friends.
1: Yeah. They're like buds.
0: Yeah. And then um, Gurney attacks Paul, right? Cause Paul's like, I don't really want to do this. I'm not in the mood. And then Gurney just, literally goes after him. and yeah, We see right. the first, um, our first introduction to combat in this world. And mm-hmm. so you have the, the shields, right. So the shields on, on a person would like, they'd go over the body in this like invisible force field kind of a thing, but yeah. a, a blast, right. The amount of kinetic energy or something like that, would like repel it. So a, a slow blade, like a small amount of energy pe- could pierce the shield.
1: Oh, okay. So it changes how that's, you fight. That makes sense. That was, that was something I think I missed as I was reading through.
0: So that's why when they're fighting, it's uh, you, you are in the defense fast and you attack slow. So you're always looking for a missed opportunity to which you can take advantage of. And Gurney kind of, presses him and press him and presses him until Paul like actually starts fighting. And then right. he like gets gurney on the back of the desk and he's like, I got you. And then gurney's like, we'll look down and he's also got the knife like at him. And he's like, Oh, you also got me. He goes, yeah, but you did pretty good. Like that was, that was good. Like I want to make sure the Harkonas don't kill you right away when we show up. Like you got to at least right. defend yourself.
1: And this whole scene kind of seems like um, Gurney is has been kind of comic re- comic relief for Paul's life, and like, oh, let's let's mess around, like let's sing a song, let's play a game, let's do this, and um, now he's saying like, playtime is over, dude. Like you're going to a really seriously messed up place, and we're not just gonna like mess around anymore like you need to be ready for this yeah um, and that was something that Paul seemed to be really surprised about that whole time that he was fighting like he's he's going like he's not faking this is he attacking me what's happening and like his brain was just getting more and more like in that space of like oh I need to be careful I need to like not trust everyone and everything like I'm a, I'm about to be in a lot more danger than than I'm used to
0: yeah Halleck has the thought here. It says how soon this child must assume his manhood right. How soon he must read that form within his mind, that contract of brutal brutal caution to enter the necessary fact on the necessary line, please list your next of kin. It's like this is this is the end, bro. like it gets real from here on out, right. No more playing around. Um, yeah. And it's, we see this kind of at the end when he, they, they, they attack each other. They have a conversation, they have the conversation and then, um, how has him training on the robot, right. And he's going to put some new moves on him. He's like, and as Paul's doing it, he's like, wow, I didn't, I didn't train him in that. And Duncan didn't train him in that. Like he's coming up with his own stuff and it's pretty good. Yeah. And then, uh, here's the last line of this chapter. And I had some questions. on so like, maybe you can help me on this one. Okay. Um, and he began to wonder about Paul. If the boy ever listened fearfully to his pillow throbbing in the night, if wishes were fishes, we'd all cast nets. He murmured. It was his mother's expression. He'd always used it when he felt the blackness of tomorrow on him. And he thought, what an odd expression! That was to be take. Oh, that was be talking. Nope, I got this last sentence. I swear, I can read. <laughs> then he thought, "What an odd expression! That was to be taking to a planet that had never known seas or fishes." Mm. What does it mean? He said, "Began to wonder about Paul if the boy ever listened fearfully to his pillow throbbing in the night."
1: I don't know. I mean, the, the thing that I got from that was, you know, when you're lying awake at night and you like can't really sleep because of some kind of anxiety or something, you, I don't know, I've sometimes, you know, like you're laying your head on a pillow and you can like hear your heartbeat, you know what I'm yes. talking about? Yes. So it's like, that that preoccupation with like thought and anxiety you know like that 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 fear that keeps you awake at night like that's what i got out of that you know like that's some good juice right there i think that's exactly it so it's like has, has paul ever had to experience that you know like Is he going to have to learn what that's like for the first time? Like he's been safe his whole life and now he's going to be in danger for the rest of his life. Possibly. Literally for the rest of his life. Yeah. I mean, and, and Gurney is this guy that's known pain and known suffering and, and like true fear and not knowing if you're going to make it another day. And so he's like, dang man, like is this kid ready for what he's about to go through? Because, it's heavy and it's it's a lot, you know.
0: Yeah, man. We only have a few more chapters till we actually get to Arrakis. We have a few more characters to meet. We are almost there. We have to meet Yui still, the traitor himself. Ooh, and then it's go time. Well, That's- dude, fans, I want to hear from you. I know Evan wants to hear from you.
1: Oh yeah. I want to know if you exist. Just go to
0: Twitter. <laughs> give us a give us a you know a follow or a something some Twitter reading Dune. Email us at uh, readingdune at gmail dot com. If you got some insights, we want to know. We want to know.
1: Yeah, if we get something wrong, let us know. You know, <laughs> like if we if we're mispronouncing the Quiz Ross Rottorax sort Twitter of surface, cyphers, like let let us know. That's yeah, important. Yeah, to he. Us. Yeah,
0: he that was just, a, a, a. what were you doing in the microphone right there? I was, Chris, Chris Rass, Chris Rass. That's
1: yeah, what the, it is, the
0: Chris the, Rass Hatteras. The Chris Rass Hatteras. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I will see you on the flip side. Cool. Bum, bum, bum. Reading, Dune.